Ready. Uh, Jumpbox comes swinging fresh out of the gates on this one. Because the Buffalo Sabres and Ottawa's... Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Buffalo Sabres and Ottawa Senators rivalry is back in full force. Lots of action in the last game the other night. Sabres won 6-4. They barely held on, but they got the dub. Alex Tuck fought Brady Kachuk. Dylan Cousins was getting with uh, get, getting with it with uh, Tarasenko. Things weren't so great with the Montreal game, but we'll talk about that. But yeah, holy cow! I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm happy for the Buffalo Montreal rivalry, or not Buffalo Montreal, Buffalo and Ottawa. Ottawa. Buffalo yes. and Ottawa. I love that rivalry as long as we come out on top. But well, of course, we always got to come out on top to make it more better for us. But yeah. Hundred percent. The way both these teams are being built and coming up right now, it's it's going to be a good rivalry for a good while now. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see it back. It's nice to see that both teams, at least on the same level of compete. I know it's been a minute since that's been the case, but good to see it be a tough and well played game by both sides. No, I can say I, for one, did not catch the game. I was unable to watch it. Um, I was hoping I would have gotten home in time to catch the ending, but I didn't. But I did see the highlights. I know you guys were messaging in the group chat. But from what I could get from the updates from Google, um, it was really great seeing the Sabres up. Was it 5 nothing at one point? 5-1. 5-1. And then they uh, saw it was 5-2. And then you guys started blowing up the phone. And that's when I, uh, when I finally went home. I actually had a scour on Twitter get the fight updates because youtube and the nhl stink because you know they try to hide that shit so twitter was my go-to on getting the updates on the full full viewing of the alex tuck and what set up the alex tuck and brady kachuk fight and then i don't know what caused that scrum between dylan cousins and tarasenko but i absolutely loved it it was something along the lines between Tarasenko and Okposo. I was after a whistle. They started skating back towards the bench, and o- o- Oki and Tarasenko started chirping at each other, and then Cousins came in, and just all hell broke loose out of that. Yeah, our geriatric captain has to get a teenager to come in and fight his battles. <laughs> Old man Oki. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. After seeing that, like, the next day, you know, telling my wife about it and you know she's just like uh-huh honey uh-huh like you know she watches the games you guys know but she's not like as into it as i am and i was telling her i'm like i i really weep for the day when still cousins actually drops the gloves and just obliterates a dude because I, I i think it's gonna happen maybe not right away but i just think there's i know it happened before um he went after i believe it was austin matthews in that heritage game a few years back uh, Matthews took that cheap shot to the back of Darlene, and Cousins stepped in and went right after him. And I know Cousins doesn't step in all the time, but I have a feeling one of these days Cousins is literally just going to drop the gloves and go to town on somebody. I'm not so positive about that. I I think he's going to play with an edge. I don't think he's going to become that guy that's just going to instantly go after a guy and drop the gloves. I think no. we got enough I think we got enough players on the team that are going to do that. 
He'll defend himself for sure, but I don't think he's going to go be that guy that if, let's say, Skinner gets hurt, gets hit with a cheap shot, he's not going to be the one to go after him. But, you know, I've been proven wrong in the past. Um, I'm fine with him playing that style. I don't think he's going to pummel somebody, but I do think that he'll be the one that defends himself admirably. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying... I'm not saying he's going to go out and start, you know, head-hunting like Brady Kachuk. Uh, <laughs> pun intended. But I'm just saying, I think, like, if the opportunity comes up, I, I think it's going to happen. I think he'll literally just drop the gloves and put a good couple punches in and, I don't know, being optimistic, hopefully he kicks his ass. Yeah. He he would definitely need a little time to put some weight on and, and a good mis- mix match on size. But I think that's just how Cousins is. He's he's a player. He's a high school player with a good edge, and he will step in when, when needed. So it's only going to be a matter of time before he does. But And especially with this rivalry and Kachuk being on our team and they having a little bit of grit, it, it I don't think it'll take very long. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I did love the uh, Twitter banter. <laughs> The comments were hilarious because all the Ottawa fans were saying Tarasenko would have fucked up Dylan Cousins, and all the Sabres fans were saying Dylan Cousins would have fucked up Tarasenko. <laughs> um, obviously, it just turned into a, a good uh, battle of the words, but I don't know. I love it. It's been a full swing between the fans, between the players. I'm loving it. Not, I always say it, that's how you know Buffalo hockey is seriously back. So, um, But you guys saw the game. I guess we're just going to stick with the Ottawa game. Yeah, if we're already right talking now. about it, might yeah. as well. Um, you guys saw it. What? what How do you think it go? I know you guys were complimenting UPL for the most of it. I know you're not. I mean, what's I, I would fault? say that was. I would say that's entirely a UPL game. I was messaging Andy right around the start of the third. I was like, let's see if they carry this momentum or if it turns into a typical UPL game where he makes it very interesting in a very short period of time. And guess what happened? He made it very interesting in a very short period of time. I was would it, say was it all on him though? I would say it wasn't quite all on him. It was a very defensive collapse. We were doing very well, and like right after everything kind of started going to hell, they just were playing much, much more softer. They really weren't pressuring anything. They were letting Ottawa come to them, and it eventually just started to burn them, and it just kept leaving people open. Like the I think it was the fourth. The fourth, third goal, whatever uh, Ottawa's last goal was, we had Greenway and I think it was Krebs standing side by side to the Ottawa guy that scored. He's and he's standing right in the middle. Nobody's touching him. Nobody's tying him up, and it just was a complete collapse. Whereas back on the second, no one, nobody would be there in the slot, and if there and two, if there was one of them, somebody would have a stick on him. They were playing so much better defensively early on in the game, and then as they just kind of started to play that, we're up. Let's play that prevent and just kind of dump it away and just let them come to us. And it eventually just overwhelmed them. Uh, I mean, to be fair, as another aspect of this, UPL's kind of established himself as that goaltender that's not going to steal you a game, at least in my opinion. He needs a good defensive result in front of him. So when the defense was collapsing, it does fall down on him because he's not going to make you that big save when you really need it. Um I think he's a good goaltender. I think his lateral movement looked great in the game, but he's just he's he's kind of proven he, he's not that guy, pal. Trust me, he's not that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I thought UPL played quite exceptionally for the majority of that game, but yeah, I 
do should UPL probably play better and handle things better? Yes, but I I would say most of those scenarios come down to poor defensive playing where like we like you just said, if we had a little bit better defensive, it wouldn't quite come down to him. No, but again, if we had and I'm not gonna start and I'm not gonna venture down the path of the Sabres breaking UPL this early in the season. Or not UPL, the Devin Levi this early in the season. But um I think if you have Devin Levi in there, I don't think it gets as interesting. I think he steals you a save or two. Um, and I, I think that game looks more like a, with the empty net goal, 6-3, 6-2 maybe. I don't think I don't think it gets to 5-4. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that too. Levi would probably steal at least one of those. But it is what it is. The luck of the bounces sometimes. The puck luck. There's not much we can do. But I think... Overall, coming out of that game, they Sabres definitely showed that they still have the spark. They still have the show that they can do. They can put the goals away when they want to. And they actually showed, like I said before, that they had a very good defensive showing for the majority of the game that they can actually play well defensively to an extent. One, one thing I will say, and that game kind of solidifies it, and we are, I'm sorry, we're seven games in, six games in. Seven. seven, seven games into the season. Sorry about that, everyone. And it, I've seen the <laughs> I've seen the Sabers play one sixty-minute game, and that was the Islanders game. I don't. I think that's the only game I've seen them play the full sixty. There's lulls. There's letdowns. There's defensive breakdowns in every single other game that I've watched. And it's it's it. it's tough. I get it. You can't. I mean, no game's ever perfect for any team. You know, even even though know, you think you have the most perfect win and, you know, you're going to have a breakdown at some point. But, yeah, I just... Sabres, I, I don't know what it is. Of course, this is going back, I don't know, I feel like since the birth of time for Buffalo sports in general, they get this giant lead and they just feel the need to just sit back, hang back, and then... It's not even like sit back, hang back, but keep the pressure on to maintain that lead. You sit back, hang back, and you let the other team crawl back into it. So, I'm just, I'm sick of seeing that. Uh, It's kind of like that Tampa Bay game where I was saying, I believe it was the last pod we were talking. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, what, two to one going into third or whatever. But still, they just all of a sudden decided to just sit back. And it's like, why are you doing that? Just keep the pressure on. I'm not saying you got to play more open and, you know, risk that two-on-one going back the other way, but just protect the puck. This new style of hockey is about playing the puck, not the body, but yet you're not protecting the puck. They're, they're not really, not, they, weren't really, they really weren't playing either. They were just letting them skate it in and do what they yeah. wanted. Yeah, like, like, kind of going back to what I was saying, how they were playing in this, at least towards the beginning of the Ottawa game. Ottawa would come in, we we'd kind of challenge throughout the neutral zone, and if they crossed that blue line into our zone, we would ride them along the wall. They'd either ride along the wall all the way around behind the net, and then get stuffed behind the net, or they start riding the wall, and we'd pinch them out, force them to stop, face the boards, turn away, turn back towards their own net. We did a lot of that, and then once we started really getting deep into that, that at the end of the game. They just stopped doing that. They just let them come in, let them skate, let them stop and face towards towards UPL. Let them come in and stop in the corners, look for the passes. They Sabres just kind of let them do what they wanted instead of playing their game that they were playing all game before. 
and stuffing everything. I mean, yes and no. Um, I think we've kind of shown that the the Sabers are they they tend to go in that defensive shell. They don't really keep the pressure up once they get a lead. Granted, in a five to one game, you really don't need to keep the pressure up. You can maintain that shell as long as you maintain the shell for the full 20 minutes of the third period, which clearly they did not. And it, I think probably for me, the most frustrating thing to see is this, that teams can routinely do this to the Sabres and they can go into that defensive shell and the Sabres can't seem to break it down. But why can't the Sabres seem to figure out how to take themselves in that defensive shell? Like, where's that breakdown? I think it's just complacency. Yeah. And just feeling comfortable. Uh, maybe maybe that does tie back into what we talked about the last podcast. Maybe they're not so comfortable in that new defensive style just yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be what it comes down to. But I I still say that the majority of that game, even go backing up to the Montreal game, I thought for the majority of the Montreal game they were doing it well too. Like that, they like like I said, they they broke it, they broke them down, they forced them to the boards, they forced them along the boards the whole way. They did a lot of stuff very good defensively. There was very good back check. Anytime that there was even close to an odd man rush, somebody came hauling ass back and cut something off, broke up a play. They were doing so much stuff between both those games defensively. I thought was very well compared to last year, but they found ways to break themselves down completely and allow goals to come. They just they found ways to lose the game instead of finding ways to win the game. I think if we're having this conversation Tuesday before the game in Ottawa, we're having a very different conversation of the ineffective uh, finishing ability of the Sabres. And I, I've seen that throughout the season. It just seems like they can't seem to finish. They'll get themselves in positions, but they can't. They can't make it work, which is yeah. which was frustrating in the very least. And yeah, even though the game was six to four and they popped in six goals, one of them being an empty netter, it, it, is it still a problem? I mean, I know it's not the, the first line. I mean, Jeff Skinner's obviously got seven or sorry, six points on the season. Um, Tage Thompson popped in two. Alex Tuck finally got off the camel off his back and popped one in. But where is there doesn't seem to be a consistency in the top two lines and putting pucks in the net. Was these the same lines as before? No, the, right now they have um, they were, were Greenway, they, Thompson, and, and Cousins as a top line, and Skinner, Mitz, and top Tuck. Line. That was the same top line for uh, the Montreal game, too. They they ran pretty much the since, last two games. So since they ch- did that massive change up, it's been the same. Pretty much. Yeah, the so, only thing that really changed uh, between the Montreal and Ottawa was I think Benson came in, Jost came out. Yeah. But. But yeah, I, I, pretty much the way these last two games went, it was just exactly like you were saying. They it was all show and zero finish in that Montreal game. They showed that they have the ability to to control the play, set plays up, put teams in a position for a killing blow. But the second they're there, with post wide blocked, you name it. And then I feel like in this Ottawa game, they continue to show that that ability to to uh, control the play, set plays up, and they kind of started to finally bury it. Maybe this is the, that final, that, that game, that six-goal game that shows, hey, I can, we can do this. We did it before. We're finally getting that, that going. 
I'm ho- having hope that they can keep that going moving forward. They just keep showing that they can control the play, hold the play, set things up, and have that offensive ability. I, I do have to commend Montreal. Um, I was upset that the Sabres blew it. You know, you put up 37, 38 shots on goal, and you only got one goal to show forth. Um, but thinking back, reflecting, I mean, yeah, I wanted us to get it. I don't want to say it was an easy win. Andrew, you said it all the way back in the first episode that Montreal was going to be a sneaky beast. Oh, yeah, um, Montreal is. You said they were going to be sneaky, and, you know, I didn't doubt that at all. Um, but then I was thinking about it. First off, congratulations to Allen. I just got to say it. He played lights out from what I saw. Um, putting up 38 shots, or facing 38 shots on goal and only giving up a goal. I don't care what team you're on. That was, especially on that one power play. Um, I don't even know if we had a registered shot on goal in the one where Savard went down. But, I mean, he stayed tall. I got to commend him. And Montreal, I mean, I know you said they're they're, they're sneaky. And I feel like it's still early. It's going to sound a little weird. Montreal knows they stink. But I feel like their team knows what they want to do. And they go out there, they do it. Most sometimes they'll ex- execute it. Some games they don't, but they don't I feel like they don't waver off of that and they're just going to keep on doing it. We're going to we're going to power through, we're going to work through it. While I feel like the Sabers Yeah, we got the skill, we got the talent, but we're I feel like we're we're still lost here. We're seven games into the season, and we're still trying to figure ourselves out. When I feel like Montreal, I just feel like they got a game plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. It's going to work or it's not. Because, well, you know, they're they're a young team, and they're still trying to find their way. I mean, yeah, we're the youngest team on paper, but you saw what we could do last year, but it still feels like, not that I want to dog on the Sabres, but... Comparing to Montreal, Montreal looked like they knew what they were doing. So. Oh, and I also look back on the stats from that game, 19 block shots. I mean, we're talking 19 block shots by Montreal. Yeah, like, I can't, I can't knock on Montreal. Like, they went in with, they look, watching the game and reflecting on it, they went in with a game plan. They came to Buffalo. And like I said, they, they look like they knew what they wanted to do and how they did, wanted to do it. I I would say Montreal has been in this, going down to this rebuild for a bit now. They didn't change much uh, in uh, in roster and lines from last year to this year. And there's, they know they're still in that bottom spot. So whatever they were doing last year, they're, it's just carrying over, for, over from last year to this year. Whereas like the Sabres, yes, we didn't change much roster-wise, but like me and Ryan have said, there's something different in defensive style. And so we completely changed up our entire defensive style, which is a massive overhaul to the system. So trying to reconfigure yourself to that and readjust to that is it's going to take a, a little bit of time. We would like to see it transition much faster and much more fluently, but it's something that that's going to happen with with any team in any sport. If you change up a whole style from one season to the next, you're going to see that that slow start or that slow get up to that new system. Be fair, they've had a whole off season to implement it. 
Facts. Whole whole off season to implement it. It's not like they've got a brand new team where they're trying to figure out. They've got pieces that they just plugged in. Yes, I understand that they completely changed the defensive system, which is evident. But to the same extent, you've had a full off season to implement it. My concern, my concern, isn't so much the defensive system. I mean, we're keeping teams. From what I've seen, we've kept teams pretty much to perimeter shots. We aren't getting blown out in games. We're not winning games seven to six. We're not losing games eight to four. It, the defensive system is is not the issue in my eyes. My eyes is the inability to get any kind of any kind of flow moving forward into the offensive zone. The, it it it's just there's there's block shots. They can't seem to find lanes to the net. I feel like they finally started to get around that in this game with Ottawa. Hence in point why we eventually got six goals, even though one was an empty netter. So it's yeah, a but, start. But even then, game, but... even then, you're looking at, I'm specifically talking about Thompson and Tuck. And even the the waved off goal from Krebs, you're getting players in front of the net. So it's not like there's clear lanes. Yes, there are players there. They are our players in front of the net, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like how oh, how. When you watch the Sabers before, it always seemed like you'd have, and I know I kept harping on him last last pod, and and I'm going to talk about him again. But you'd have like Victor Olofsson set up in the slot, like right around the dot on his off wing. You'd have Thompson, and it almost felt like even though it was five on five, there was still that power play setup where he was open for the shot, and it was a clear yep. lane and a clear shot on net. And it just doesn't feel like the Sabers have that this year. There's there's not as fluid puck movement in the offensive zone, I at least the way I see it. I can say I agree with that because in the Montreal game, it felt like Tate Thompson was sitting in his circle for the snipe. Victor Olsen, I didn't see much of him, but Victor Olsen was doing, you know, his circle for his snipe. And then Jeff Skinner sitting there in, I forgot what they call that, but right there at the goal line so he could do that little tuckaroo, which he's got, what, four goals now? I believe. Uh, I, I five, believe five, five and one. Five, five goals. Because he scored, he scored yeah. two in the last game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Up until the Montreal game, all three of Jeff Skinner's goals came right there standing at the goal line. So I'm like, okay, that that's awesome. Like in the Montreal game when Skinner scored, I'm like, that's awesome. But are you going to move around? Like a goal's a goal. I'm, I'm going to take it. But is Jeff Skinner just going to be standing around at the goal line? Like, And it, it goes like what you're saying. It seems more like a power play setup. But you're five on five, and I mean, the Montreal game a little bit did look like they were passing the puck around, but then it goes back to what we were saying before. It looked like they were passing too much. And it's just, but then again, I can't really harp on them for that because they put up 37 shots on goal. Yeah. So were they really passing too much? But then again, also, I didn't listen to it, but Don Granado called the team out casually or collectively, because he's not like Lindy Ruff. He's not going to, you know, show emotion. But in the Montreal post game, he pretty much, I'm paraphrasing here, but he told them, he said, 
Nobody was in front of the net. And I noticed that in the game. Nobody's all these rebounds. There was rebounds, but nobody's in front of the net until they're chasing after it because they're all in the perimeter. So the reason why, and like I said, I didn't see the Ottawa game, but the reason why anybody was in front of the net was because Don Granado publicly called them out for it. And I know I know this is terrible prep work, but I am currently, as we're recording, watching the re- recap of the Canadians game. Um, okay. just to kind of just kind of get a feel for the flow. I, I didn't get to watch much of that one, I'll be honest. But I'm I'm just trying to watch for the puck movement, especially in the offensive zone. From what I've seen so far, it so I'm gonna relate this to one of my top five sports movies of all time, and it's Moneyball. And it feels Love like it feels like the Sabres are constantly looking to replace Giambi because they want a guy that's going to go out there and slug home runs when they're forgetting the key to this is get on base. Just get on base, get the shots to the net, get mm-hmm. traffic in front, get the shots on net is the key. I mean, I'm watching this and it's, it's the first, I, I just saw a highlight. It's the first, first minute of play in the first period. And it, the Sabres are set up in the offensive zone and everybody's standing still. That's There's what I'm no saying. Clear lanes. There's like, no clear lanes. There's no fluid puck movement. It's just, it's tough to watch at times. Like, you guys know it. I've never played hockey before. I suck at <laughs> hockey. But I've watched the Sabres my entire life. I'm 32 years old. I remember watching Pat LaFontaine in the blue and gold. Barely. But I remember it. So, I'm not an idiot now, hearing what you just said, where I'm like, I thought the same thing. They're just standing around, and I'm like, what are you doing? And, yeah. and it's almost like they're expecting the lanes to open up. Like they're expecting to have a passing lane or something open up, and it's just not happening. They're working the puck from the point. Yes, they had 37 shots, but what I'm seeing here is just an, a, a crap ton of just shots from the point where it's just it's there's guys in front, and they're not our guys to crash for the rebound. They're just they're working the puck up top and then they're taking the shot, and it's sometimes getting through, but most often it's not. All right. So I got a hypothetical. I was going to go back oh. a little bit. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go going ahead. back to the I'll shot lanes and everything. Okay. Um, I just was going through, going back to the Calgary game. There were seven – I actually – well, because you guys kept talking for so long. 17 block shots Calgary blocked. And then we go to – hold on. Where'd it go? The Islanders game. Islanders game. They had Islanders had 22 block shots. Go to Monday's game against Montreal. Montreal had 17 block shots. And then we come to the Ottawa game. Ottawa only had nine. So I, it kind of goes back to kind of what I was saying. It, it seems like everything's starting to finally move in rotation and it's coming through now finally. They're finally starting to find the lanes. There's nowhere near as many block shots. I or feel like that, in that Ottawa game, they, or they that, started to get around stuff. Or is that us playing a team that's just as bad defensively as we are? I mean, Ottawa did get their asses smacked to Detroit the game before, and I then would, all of a sudden they gave up five goals to the Sabres on their home ice. And now Brady Kachuk, and I was telling Andy this before we got on, um, Brady Kachuk went from the goal scorer to goon Brady Kachuk. And he started throwing his body around, and then he went after Alex Tuck, and 
That's also Kachuk style. I, it's a scorer I mean, and, it and a beater. That's yeah, what but, they are. But, but, but I would also even, go to say, who's whose defensive style is better? Ottawa's or Montreal's? We just played Montreal the day before. Montreal, and they had double I'm watching right yeah. now. It's Montreal all day. Montreal, yeah, Montreal, and that goes with what I was saying. Like Montreal has, they look like they have a game plan. And okay, I'll make it simplified. Team first, entirely team first. Um, compared and, to Ottawa. And, and let me throw something else in there that I'm I'm watching this and it's kind of tying into the Ottawa game. Montreal is pl- like every clip I'm seeing here, they're playing physical. They're getting in the Sabres faces. They're doing what they need to do to make it hard for the Sabres. And realistically, I don't think it really broke down in the Ottawa game until they started throwing it back in our face. And I, I'm wondering if this has something to do with uh, Buffalo's inability to play against physical teams. Well, I mean, I would, obvious. I would say, I would say that's the case. I mean, they did beat the Islanders, who play another defensive, physical style of play. But it, if the Sabers can't, like, if there's that threat that they're going to cut across the center of the ice and they're going to get, they're going to get dropped, you know, old time hockey. Is there, is there an issue here where the Sabers just, they're going to keep looking for the pass, they're going to keep looking for that fancy play and they're just not going to crash the net like on on Montreal's third goal. They just Montreal crashed and nobody picked up Gallagher. Like he skated through two yep. Sabres. Middle Stanton Tuck. Which like I believe they're both taller, bigger than him. He skated through two Sabres and pops it through Comrie's legs like yeah. Are are we going to play physical fully, or are we going to You can't fully blame Comrie on that when there's two sabers right there who should have pinched him. I mean, to be fair, he should have had that puck covered long I mean, before yeah. he tried to cover it, but not the point. Well, yeah. And you would think that this would have been reside with the fact of, even knowing Johnson's a little older, but he's still a stay-at-home semi-physical defenseman in the signing of Clifton and also having a healthy greenway. You would think with a couple of big, bigger physical guys, it wouldn't matter as much, but... Yeah, but you'd think, and you'd also think that a player like Tuck, who's, I mean, obviously going out there showing his grit, you'd think that something like that, he would be, Yeah, you'd think he'd be able to fight through this, and it just, it feels. Well, I can say, not that I want to harp on the guy, but Sabres, Sabres Reddit uh, started really going after Alex Tuck after that Montreal game, and Alex Tuck was found on the milk carton. But he was quickly found in Ottawa. But yeah, there was there was a lot of no love for Alex Tucker after that Montreal game. I mean, guy's gonna have a bad game once in a while. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, he is one of those players that was trying to find his way. And the weird part was, is after the Ottawa game, he kept apologizing. They kept asking him about the fight and. He kept apologizing. Like, he literally apologized to the fans. He apologized to the team. It's like, dude, we get it. It's hockey. Like, we know you want to be scoring goals every day. I mean, yeah, we're, we're upset. You know, you haven't really found the back of the net. You finally did it in this, you know, the Senators game. But, like, shit happens. Sabres still love you. They want you as your captain. As I your mean, captain. Well, well, depends who you ask. Well, but, yeah, sure. Well. But now here's my question, because I was thinking, not that I want to go too off topic. 
Ottawa is now three and three. So they lost to uh, Carolina five to three. They beat the Flyers five to two. They beat the Lightning with no Stamkos or Vasilevsky five to two. They beat the Capitals. That's not saying much. They're old as shit. They lost to the Red Wings five to two, and then they lost to us six to four. So now this kind of circles back to what we were talking about previously, and they're currently playing the Islanders as we record this pod. Um, and they're losing to the Islanders one nothing with 11 minutes to go in the first. So it kind of goes, I believe, Ryan, you asked it. Is Ottawa really dealing with a defensive problem? Their three wins are against the Flyers, Lightning, and Capitals. Well, you can't discredit the Flyers. You um, can't. I mean, you're talking about a very good team this season. They, they I mean, they play tough. They got Tortorella. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it a but relatively decent spanked, team, or is it a, a team coached very well? It, and it, it is the second game of the season. If, you, but, if you're sitting there and you're telling me Tortorella is a good coach, I'm going to vomit right <laughs> I, now. He makes his players work, and they... I don't think he's, he's not a good coach. He's, he's just a, he's a coach. coach. He's he's a name. He's a name, and he's built his time. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's. You know, almighty. Yeah, I, would I think only... he's a good. I think he overall. He's. I think he's a good coach. And if he's got the right players, they'll play for him. I feel like Torch just knows how to get people fired up, and that that's almost in a way all you need. Some like yeah. If you can get a coach that can get the team fired up, it doesn't matter if they're all-stars or they're scrubs. They're going to play very yeah. well and very good hockey, regardless of the style. They're just going to be on you and everything else. And from what I've seen so far, the Flyers, they're liking Tortorella. Some of the other Give teams had them, they didn't care. Yeah, Give it I a know. season. I, I know, but for like right now, I, I see the Flyers like Montreal. They're going to play you tough. But they I don't mean, granted, have the skill yeah. to... They win games. But still, uh, so Ottawa lost to Carolina the first game of the season. They lost to Detroit 5-2, to two, and then they lost to Buffalo 6-4. to four. I mean, not that I want to shift off of the Sabres, but is Ottawa really that good? It's still early, but your three wins are against the Flyers, Lightning, and Capitals. A weekend Lightning. I would say Ottawa's still a good team. They have it, but they're going to have their, their cracks and their flaws that they still need to work through and figure out. Well, it's blatantly obvious that halfway through, or a little more than halfway through the Sabres game, they were pissed the fuck off. Uh, anybody would when you're getting spanked 5-1, five, 5-2. Five, five, and then losing 5-2 the night before or two nights before. Yeah. Well, they're losing right now to the Islanders. I don't think the Islanders are that good. I mean, ultimately, here's what I think. If you look at the, the bottom four in the Atlantic Division, you've got Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Florida. You've got four teams there that all have problems. They're, they're not, whether it be their defensive system, their ability to score, their age, there's question marks around whether or not they're going to be able to handle this longevity. It, it all kind of boils down to and here we are sitting with the Tampa Bay Lightning, fourth in the conference above all four of these teams that we thought may be able to unseat them. Yeah, I understand it. They've got eight points compared to Montreal, seven, and Buffalo, Ottawa, and Florida, six. But 
with these problems, can they cover these problems and leapfrog them? And what team's the closest to leapfrogging Tampa? Yeah. I know last year a lot of it was Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. Which of these three? And I know. And Detroit's taking the step. I mean, they've for sure taken the step. They look like a really good team. It also also helps, though, when you have a uh, an Alex DeBrinket running very hot. Yeah, that that's going to help when you have a guy having nine goals within seven games that's running that hot. Any team's going to be looking good. Well, and, and here everybody was ready to give up on Shane Gossespierre, and here he is with nine points in seven games. I mean, Dylan Larkin has 14 points. It's not just to bring cat. Yeah. Detroit's I mean, a good team. Detroit, Yeiserman went out, got some veteran guys. I don't remember who, but I know he went out and got some veteran guys. I think he also picked up a goalie, too, in the offseason. I think they signed... Busso um, um, and Reimer. Reimer. Yeah. Reimer. Well, Reimer's the one Yeiserman, I'm Yeiserman was looking for some people, and he got what he was looking for without tearing his team apart. And mm-hmm. right now, they're looking pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, but the ultimate question I find with that team is, is where are they going to get their secondary scoring from? Um, right. Larkin, yeah, Larkin and DeBrincat with 13 and 14 points together. I I see it from the defense. You've got Cider with seven, and you've got Gossespierre with nine. Uh, uh, yeah, they've got a bunch of guys that have two, one, two, three, four, a couple points here and there, but I just don't... I, I see them having one hot line and a couple hot players, and obviously that's not going to carry out through the season. I mean, it may carry out through the season, but I just don't see that. Yeah, one Where's line is not going to carry you 82. Yeah, no. Where's the secondary scoring going to come from? Are they going to cool off? I mean, I would assume they would, but I can't guarantee that. They're still a well-built team. Detroit's obviously going to take that next step. I think they're going to push Boston, um, at least for the first half of the season. But does Toronto fall off? Does Tampa fall off? And I don't see Montreal falling off because they're young. They're going to have the legs to do the whole season. I, don't know. I still don't think I I like like we said. I think Montreal is a very sneaky team, but I don't think they have the yeah they're young and it could play the whole the whole season. But I don't think they have what it takes to finish a full eighty two season, and that's going to slowly creep into their their uh, their standings as the year goes on. It may not be evident, but it it'll slowly play- sink. They're playing in a division with teams that are missing their top goaltender. Uh, a team that's missing uh, anybody at center. They're playing against. They're playing in a division against a team. Two teams that really can't play defense in the in Buffalo and Ottawa, and then Florida, who God knows what they're doing. Yeah, I I Very mean, Reinhardt. yeah, I don't know. Florida Florida always confuses you because two years ago Florida came out and they just dominated the entire league all year long and was the president's trophy winners. And then they go to the, to last year and somehow look very mediocre and just awful and squeak into a playoff spot. And then somehow turn it on and become one of the best teams in the league out of nowhere. 
Well, and, like Florida is so goaltending. Yeah. Florida's just so weird to read because what are they over the course of two seasons? They've shown almost every part of the spectrum in hockey. They show that they were an offensive juggernaut, and then they show they're a defensive juggernaut, and then they lo- look like a freaking house peewees freaking at one point. It's like, wh- what are you? So right, now right now they're a 500 hockey team yeah. uh, with, with a minus one goals against, like minus one goals percentage yeah. or goal average. I mean, they're, they are the definition of average right now. Granted, they are missing Ekblad. Granted, they miss, are missing Montour. And Barkov is day-to-day with an illness. I mean, I get that, but still, like, they're a very average team. I mean, the Sabres are, in my opinion, below average right now, unless they get their crap together. Ottawa, we're looking at, honestly, they're, if you ask me, their they're, uh, win percentage doesn't reflect the team. Um, and I see them picking it up. They're, um, they're playing under new ownership this season, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I foresee them picking it up. I want I think they want to make an impression on ownership. It's always that first season new guy. And I mean the real question mark to me is what are we gonna get out of Tampa? I yeah, that's another one that's very question mark. They still have a lot of their core pieces and they've shown for what, four years now that they are a very consistent team and they know they know where, when, and how to do everything, no matter who's in the lineup or not. And Tampa does not give two shits if they sit in that wild card one spot all year. They don't care because they know once the season's over, playoffs, snap of a finger, they Turn crank it, it up. And you know what? I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna attribute all of that to Cooper. Um, I think he's a I think he's probably one of the top coaches in the league right now. I don't think there's anybody that's going to question that. And he's going to coach that team to bide their time. Bide their time, make it through the tough part, and, and Calm the don't, get, don't get too far down. Because if, 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 they, if they drop out of that wild card spot and they start, if they start falling towards the bottom of the division, yeah, it could crash and burn. But the longer you let Tampa hang around, the further they're going to think they can go. I mean... You guys, you guys laugh at me for this. Tampa Bay's three, two, and two. They have two overtime losses. One of them is to the Sabers. I know you guys don't care, and you look straight at win losses. But for Tampa Bay right now, being three, two, and two, Cooper's like, all right, we're winning. No, we're, they're we're, three and they're three and four. They're not. You say three not... and four, but guess what? There's two points right there sitting on the board. Fantastic. There's two points, but I'm just saying. They've also played one more game. They've also played one more game than the Sabres. But being three, two, and two instead of three and four, I think not having Vasilevsky, Cooper, and the team is looking at this like the it's not really a win, but okay, it's a a positive. Yeah, they're they're not upset. They're not you know three and four or two and five. They're okay. We're still we're still getting wins. We're still getting points. We're holding the ship until Vasilevsky can come back. 
which to me now it makes it even more crucial, like for the Sabres, that win should have never been in overtime. Yeah, win is a win, and, and we talked about it last last pod. Sabres got the two points, and that's what matters, but that one point, I mean, same thing. It, it, it could have demoralized them even more, losing in regulation. We don't know, but that's two points they got. I mean... In the overtime loss category. They, they beat... What? They they haven't beat anybody with more points. Well, no, I, I'm I'm sorry. Let me take that back. They've beaten one team that has as many or more points than them this season. They've beaten Vancouver. Which Vancouver uh, shocking? Not as much. Young players really coming into their own. Vancouver's a really well built team. Um, the shock in that division, I'm going to say, is the Oilers. But that's not surprising to anybody. They're a dumpster fire right now. Not sure what is going on there, but uh, don't all in its own. I don't. I don't even want to. I don't want to jump into it because that's yeah. That's that's a whole rat's nest of uh, issues that we could talk about for an hour on its own. (laughs) That's my Western Conference team, and that is just painful, painful to see. I think you see. I think you see Woodcroft going relatively soon into the season. I don't think he sticks around, um, especially if they continue on this trajectory. But not mm, shift, let's shift gears back to the East, back to our division. Back to um, the Sabres. And, and I just, I want to see the Sabres not be this team in this grouping of six points between Buffalo, Ottawa, and Florida that I just look at them and I think they've got the most flaws. I mean, we'll even throw Montreal in there. Between Montreal, Buffalo, Ottawa, and Florida, all the teams in our division with, you know, seven or six points, we've got the most flaws. And I don't, and I'm saying, and I'm saying this, I'm, yeah, I know I'm a glass, you know, not even half full. It's, it's broken and scattered on the ground. And leaking. And leaking. (laughs) And I'm just I'm looking at this and Montreal has that defensive pressure. Florida has veterans that they're going to turn it around at some point. Ottawa has in as we saw as evidence in the game that they just lost to the Sabres. They have an offense that when they get hot, they can put a lot of goals in on you very quickly. What does Buffalo have? I've seen really lackluster performance and I have yet to sit down, watch a game, and actually be impressed. I'm no, I'm sorry. I, I outside of the Islanders game, I have yet to sit down and actually watch a full sixty minutes that I'm impressed. And they're supposed to have a top four scoring offense carrying over from last year. Well, it's hard I, to have a top four scoring offense when your freaking power play gives up breakaways and odd man rushes yep. every game. Yep. You can't sustain the pressure when you're giving up rushes. They fixed their penalty kill, but then they just gave up entirely on the power play. I mean, our power play did score two more goals. It did get a little bit better, but still, yeah, that's a problem all on its own. Didn't we just score one in each of the last two games? We did. Yeah. We did. Yeah, so... We're now the 20th best power play instead of 27th or 28th. 
But my question is, is why are we sitting, we're sitting 14th out of 32 teams for goals for, we're sitting 21st out of 32 for goals against. With a three goal difference. And our strength of schedule so far is the lowest in the league, like not lowest, it's 27th in the league. Like, why, 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 why are, we should be winning these games. We shouldn't be middle of the pack in goals for, and we sure as hell shouldn't be bottom third for goals against. Where's the, where's the disconnect? Where's the issue? It's not like we've been playing world beaters so far. Yeah. I feel is there, like. Is there an answer? Is the know. answer on this roster? Is the answer coaching? I was going to say, is the answer behind the bench? I don't think it sits with Don Granado. I, mean, I don't think so either. It's not like we're sitting here and watching Phil Housley coach teams. Yeah, that, that was awful. I feel like they have it. They just had an issue of falling asleep at the beginning of the year. I feel like these last, especially these last two, last three games, because last the third last game was the Islanders one, which you said you really like. Montreal and the Ottawa. I feel like these last three, they have shown the ability of skill on offense to get going compared to the first three games. The yeah. if that looks like it's starting to finally show itself. Like because you want you're like, basing you this off of one game where Ottawa doesn't have a good defensive structure. I'm going back three games because you even you even yeah. just said you the just Islander said game. The they Islander scored three game. goals. They, they scored, scored three. three goals and then they scored one and then they score six. There's no flow. There's no consistency. Yeah. But when you watch the game, you just there there's more offense that you can see than in the first three games. Just watching the game, you see that we're in the offensive zone. We're kind of controlling play a better than we did in the first three games. That's well, what I'm saying. I wouldn't even say that we're control like specifically going back to the Islanders game, I'm looking at it and I'm not seeing that we're controlling the offensive zone. What I'm seeing is, is that we're controlling the transition game. We're yeah. not letting them get the zone entry and the puck control in our in our zone. We're basically making them turn it over and we're and we're transitioning back. We're not controlling the play. We're just really not allowing them to set up. And we're we scored most of our goals off the transition. Yeah. Either either way, I was too hammered to watch the Islanders game. But the point that we're not we're stopping them and we're generating some form of offense in some way, shape, or form over these last three games compared to the first three games. First three games. We were saying this, where the hell is the offense? Where is anything in the first three games? And now in these last three games, it, you're start, it, they're finding ways to start to show it, but there still is no finish. So does the graph continue to climb and start going up slowly, or does it plateau, or does it plummet? I would say from game one, well, from game one, two, and three to these last three games, there has been a drastic upclimb in offensive production in some way in in just some way, shape, or form. And however which way you want to do it, stopping the uh the transition and everything else. The offense seems to be per showing itself more. And especially after this last game where we finally got more pucks to the net. We did a little bit more. We finally got more than three goals. Is this that that game that gets us going? Because like we were saying with Olafson you kind of got to let them just play through the pain and what like just play through the pain, even though when they're out there for three games with no points, no nothing, lackluster, subpar stats. If they just are out there in the right place at the right time to get one goal, 
that's all a player might need to just get themselves going to get that that positive feeling and get them going is this this game against Ottawa even though we collapsed and almost lost it is the ability and the the stat showing six goals something that we need to keep us going in in that up direction I'm gonna counter that point I don't think that the Sabres fit but I'm I'm going back to when you started making the point the finishing ability yeah <laughs> the there's still sh- not much finish but the the Sabres shooting person like the, the shot percentage, the shooting percentage, is 8%. Lee average is 7.9. So it's not like they're below average in their finishing ability. They're just not generating high-value scoring opportunities. They just aren't. And, I mean, let's, let's tie this into what you were just talking about with Olofsson, letting him play through the pain. I'm kind of veering off in a different direction. There are currently two players on the Buffalo Sabres roster that have zero points this season. Please tell me which one you would prefer. Do you want Victor Olofsson or do you want Peyton Krebs? Peyton Krebs. And can I, can I interject slightly? Because there was a theory I wanted to bring up earlier. Hashtag free my boy Krebs. At six foot, 187 pounds, I need you guys to decipher that on me if that's good enough. Why don't we just plant his ass in front? Because he likes to get down and dirty. Because you've got a six foot, 187 pound guy going up against 6'2, 6'3, 210 defenseman. He's not I gonna, mean, it's not going to hurt, but it's, it's not where I think he excels. I don't he think really so ex- either, but we need someone to sit in front of the fucking net. No, he really excels on the half wall. Um, he's got really good possession. He's really good getting in the corners, making the dirty plays. I really like Krebs in, in that I want him getting in there and I want him starting the cycle. People I want in front of the net instead, I'd like Alex Tuck a little bit more. I, I know he's gritty, but he's a little bit more of the able to stand his own ground there. Um, Benson should be, I, I mean, with his size, probably not, but he could learn it. Um, Greenway. Thompson, which I know that's not his game style, but I'd prefer him there. There's that place should be in front. There's a laundry list of players that I'd prefer in front of that net compared to Peyton Krebs. I want Krebs on the half wall, doing the dirty work, getting the puck out, starting the cycle, and and keeping the puck deep. And I think that's where he excels. Um, he's a really good like he is really really good at getting under the other team's skin and, and well that's why i thought maybe stick him in front because you know get in under the skin and you know at least you know somebody's got some kind of passion yeah no i'm choosing not, not his point. i don't want to not not where i would put him not what i would have him doing at all um can he cycle into there yeah 100 percent. but i don't think that's where he really excels yeah. Um, I think you're looking at a player like Cousins. I think you're looking at a player like Talk, Greenway, Thompson, just going down the list. Um, Ocposo, because he can't move and planning him in front of the net is the least damaging. Um, I, I, yeah. say, I sit here and I say that, and he's, you know, plus one yep. <laughs> and, and has two points on the season. And I know I, I give him a lot of shit, but I mean, I think that's where you kind of put him, and he's the least damaging. Um, I just, 
I don't think planting crabs in front of the net's the right move. I just think I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking through the stats and I see Victor Olsson with five game play, games played and zero points. Even Tyson Jost as four games played, one point. Like he at least has some kind of stats on the board. I believe Jost is the one that assisted Gergesen on his first goal. It's just it's the Tampa Bay game. Yes, I believe that. I believe yeah. you're correct. But I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the stats across the board, and he's just he's just. I don't know if it's a slump. I don't know if he's not being utilized, similar to how Skinner wasn't utilized in the Housley systems. I, I don't know what it is, but there is just... I'm staring at a whole bunch of zeros. Just zeros and negatives. It is just... It's hard to see. It's hard to see a player that I personally have liked him for a long time, and I'm just sitting here seeing a player that is... Uh, to say the least, not fulfilling his potential. Yeah, I feel like Olsen, he's not in the position of where he should be with players that work well with him here. I, I kind of feel the same way with Krebs, but I feel like Krebs, Krebs is a little more versatile, I feel like. He is a very versatile yes. player. Krebs that can, can play the style of the line that he's on. Olsen yeah. cannot. Yeah. yeah, and that is exactly why. Because like Krebs, as... Granted, yes, it, it kind of stinks, but we you can see him on that bottom line with Gergensen's and Okposo and actually be relevant and be be something on that line. Whereas if you put Olofsson on that line, he's a ghost. He's like not even existent. He's been a ghost all season, yes, regardless but, of what line he I, freaking I'm even saying kind of going back to like last year when you watch like Olofsson and Krebs. In Every general. time I saw Olofsson on the ice, he wasn't a ghost. He was, uh, I'm going to say, an a yeah, basically, because there were, the puck was going in the net. And then you see Olofsson and Bryson up there on the on the ice at the same time, and you're just, I'm like, cool, this game's over. And then all of a sudden, Tate Thompson scores three goals, and you're like, oh, okay. And then they're out on the ice again. And, but we're not going to try turning this into an Olof, bash on Olofsson session again. I mean, I know we all hate doing it, but... I'm just, I think, I think... Victor Olofsson's struggles, at least for me this season, really kind of encapsulates like where we are with this team as a and whole. So I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I like J.J. Paterka. I'm not saying he's the second coming of the world, but I'm looking at this Ottawa Sabres statistics. Why the fuck? Yes, I'm going to say it. Why the fuck does Victor Olofsson have 11 minutes, 41 seconds of time on ice, well, Paterka has 8.42. Because realistically, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, Paterka's kind of disappeared in the last few games. I mean, granted, Victor Olsen hasn't showed up this season yet, but I just, I don't... I mean, in the Calgary game, Paterka and Cousins look like the only, the only ones that showed up, and Skinner, offensively. But I just find it funny, you know... I mean, why the fuck is Olsen getting all this time while Paterka keeps losing minutes? And Paterka actually has, you know, two goals. Yeah, like looking at, and the, he's had, at the line. He's actually had some opportunities. Like the 201 in the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, he knew it. Like, he should have fucking shot it. And then there was another one. I think it was the Calgary game. He almost had a second one. 
and it's just like, I, I know he's better with Quinn. I know he is. Those two rocked it in Rochester together. But it's like, and then when Paterka is paired up with somebody, he's paired up with fucking Olsen. So, of course, he's, you know, the one game, somebody was like, well, why is Paterka, you know, he's, he hasn't done shit. And I'm like, yeah, he's stuck with Olsen. He ain't gonna I, do shit. I, I don't think, think he I, was. I think all of these problems... I think it was the Montreal game. I think all of these problems can boil down to... And I, I understand what you're saying about ice time, but, I mean, going back, Paterka disappearing, all this, Chunks of this team just disappear at times throughout the season so far. And they just, like... You never really know where the scoring is going to come from. There is no consistency yeah. between, like... Okay, we're putting out Thompson, Talk, Skinner. All right, at least we can know they can generate some offense. But early on in the season, that wasn't even a guarantee. They were playing most of their time in the defensive zone. And it's just, it, it's it's, a ghost. It, it's so it's so frustrating. Like you see Middlestat, and he, you know, he was there the first four games of the season, and I haven't really like, yeah, he's been playing well. But, like, nothing he's done over the course of the past three games specifically has really, like, jumped out at me. The Calgary game, I forgot, which one was the one Samuelson scored? Was that the Calgary? I think so. Because I say, the Calgary game, Middlestat looked like he was getting burned a lot. It's like, no matter what he did, he was losing the puck, he was getting dropped into the boards, he was he was down on the ice, it was like Calgary knew everything about him. Um... But it's just, yeah. I know the past couple games, it seems like he's been quiet, too. I, Looking at the, the lines as of right now, like we got Greenway, Thompson, Cousins as our top line, uh, Skinny, Mitts, and Tuck as our second, and we got Paterka, Krebs, Jost, and then Olofsson, Zemgis, and Okposo. Real quick, those were the lines at practice this morning before the Sabres headed out to New Jersey. Benson was the extra. So yeah. do not expect Benson to start tomorrow. Yeah. That was what we just had against the uh, the Ottawa game. I Which feel wasn't like that the same for Montreal too. Yeah, okay. at, at least I think out yeah, maybe think Jost so. Jost was in or out or something. But slight change. Pachurka is at right wing with Jost on the left side, and Krebs at center. Yeah. That's so apparently they they, right they were a little. I think Jost was the center instead of. And Krebs was on the left and Paterka was on the right. So Yeah. Just looking at it and knowing from like last year who who plays good, who plays good with who, and how each of these players kind of play. Because everybody everybody that's on, on the, the team and in this lineup right now, we've seen last year. Greenway, Thompson, Cousins. That that's not that bad. I don't think that's a bad line. That that works and it's and it's it can do work. And then Skin, Mitts, and Tuck, we know that can work. That definitely worked at the end of last year. I really just don't like Krebs, uh, Paterka, Krebs, and Jost. I feel like that that won't, that doesn't mesh very well. And then especially with Olofsson, like we were just saying, Olofsson with Gergensen's and Oposo, that isn't going to work well either. Like, I hate it because I feel like we keep going back to it. The, th- the, the thumb is, is Olofsson. Because when you see Krebs, I mean, you hate it, but you see Krebs on the fourth line, okay, you can see it work. 
just fourth line, you see it work. But then, okay, you put Olsen down there because he ain't producing. But then, yeah, now you got Paterka, Krebs, and Jost, and it's just like, ah, fuck it, these are... Because you ain't putting Acapulco or Gergensen on the third line. So you're like, ah, fuck it, this is it. But then halfway through the game, that third line is probably going to turn into your fourth line. At least on time on ice. You, the th- to me, the third line is kind of... After they they broke it up, it feels like the third line is kind of like the bad omen line. It's it's just the, the extras. I mean, going back historically, looking at it, your third line is always your 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 energy line. Um, your fourth line is kind of like the guys that go out there, they're the grinders, but your third line is the one that you go out there and they control the flow of the play, they control the time of possession. They're your energy line. They get the puck cycling, they keep the puck down low. They're not really going to score you a lot of goals, but they're going to maintain the puck low. We don't have, at least looking at it right now, we don't have a ton of guys that do that. I mean, outside of, my opinion, Jost and Krabs. I don't think, I don't think Akposo has the legs anymore to do it. Nope. Olsen is going to hang out on the, in the corner. Gergensen's is, it fits into that role, but he's, I think he's better suited on that fourth line to go out there and be a little bit more of a grinder, a little bit more, you know, gritty. Yeah. Um, who are you stuck putting on that third line to generate, like, to generate energy? I mean, yeah, I guess you could put Gergensen's there, but yeah, you, like, I mean, you throw you throw a guy like Paterka who can generate scoring. I mean, there's a chance it works, but he's not going to get fed the puck. Yeah, yeah. Or you're going to hope he gets that breakaway. Or sneak yeah. back door like what Gergensen did in the Tampa game. Like, you know, he's gonna get you know, he's gonna hop off the bench or some shit and and just find that and, seam. And Jost or Krebs are gonna be like, Oh shit, there we go, and yeah, find the seam and hopefully he can get a, a, a breakaway and you know, snap a wrister or some shit. But I mean I mean is the solution to all this putting is the solution to all of this, and I know you're gonna hate this this suggestion, but is the solution to all this putting Dylan Cousins in between Paterka and Olofsson? No, because that's what that's the line that they used from the start. I I understand that, but and they didn't do shit. And that was Cousins, like Cousins was was Cousins seemed more like a puck hog. But Cousins and Paterka has worked well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, those two playing well together can eliminate the issues that we see with Olofsson a lot. Um, at least in my opinion, but. The question ultimately is, does Olofsson drag that line down? I mean, yeah, I would I would sit here and I'd love to see Krebs. I'd, I'd love to sit here and see, um, what am I thinking? Krebs, Jost, and maybe Gergensen's as a third line. I think that's like the third time you've gone to Gergensen, Krebs, and Jost. Just like, I like that as a third line. <laughs> I mean, it's a solid what, third so line. So now you're going to punish yeah. Paterka to the fourth. I'm going to put Cousins, Paterka, and I'm going to put Olofsson on the fourth line. And I'm going to put Middlestat, Greenway, and Benson as my second Cousins, line. Cousins, Olofsson, and Paterka on the fourth. Yep, Cousins, Olofsson, and Paterka on the fourth. I'm going to put Middlestat, Greenway, and Benson on my second, and I'm going to put Thompson back with Tuck and Skinner. And Where's those are my lines. Oh, I'm, I I'm scratching Okposo. 
I'm oh, I'm okay. rotating I'm rotating Ocposo with Olafson due to Ocposo's age. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, I I feel like that can work, and then uh, that combination, because yeah, like right now, yeah, I just those and bottom my, two lines just I they I feel like they don't mesh well together. Like when you look at the players individually, you can be like, yeah, Paterka, he's a good player. He can generate this. Krebs, he can do this. Jose can do this. But just when you start putting these combinations together, and and I. And I think looking at it as a first, second, third, and fourth line is the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got an energy line, and then you've got three other lines. So I don't really think it's fair to look at it one, two, three, four. So I don't think it look. I, I think when you mentioned you're punishing Paterka by putting him on the fourth line, I'm not punishing Cousins and Paterka by putting him on the fourth line. I'm just putting them on a line together with Olafson or or but, Posto and rotating. You know, hockey when you yeah. get put on the fourth line, you're barely getting ten minutes a game. That, that's not that, that's why I hate that stat or that that slogan that's saying because there are teams where they're it just kind of works out that way that they're that there's a line that is your quote unquote fourth line because they are kind of your slow guys or, or whatever it is. But for like us, if we get a, a nice combination from top to like I can feel like the Sabres can easily have a nice combination top to bottom in yeah. your first, second, third, fourth line couldn't technically be any of those because any of them can get hot. I, that's what I would love too. Like four yeah. lines of kicking ass. Right now we don't have that. It, to me, it, it's a few players got, kicking ass. The, and... Yeah, and Skinner. Side note: So for anybody listening, I mean everybody knows this, but Skinner shown it. It don't freaking matter who he's Who's with. It? Yeah, he's he's scoring. He even, I mean, he's got what five goals? Yeah, five and one. All right. Said. Yeah, two in the last one, too. And mm-hmm. so I, mean, I think Skinner's just, he's like, yo, I'm about to hit a thousand games this year in my career and not see the playoffs. Let's fucking go. <laughs> so to sum it up, I think to sum up and wrap up this podcast, I think the main thing that we're all looking for out of the Sabres, regardless of who we are, is consistency, top to bottom. Yes. Yeah, I just I just want to see consistency game to game, and and maybe maybe this offensive production from the Ottawa game rolls over, may, but judging from the way this season has gone, it probably won't. It it probably won't, and we'll end up looking at a game the next one. It's just like where did the team go? Why didn't they show up? I mean. It's not like it's an easy game. We're playing in New Jersey. Are we going to be looking at this like, where did they go? I think we could. I think we could be going back on this after the, after the Avalanche game and being like, all right, well, we're rolling into a Flyers game off of two straight losses and two straight losses where we looked like a bad team. What well, team's going to show up in Philly? Back-to-back back back Flyers games, by the way, home and home. Or we could end up walking out of the Avalanche game Going okay, we expected them to lose to Colorado, but they looked really good against Jersey. But they tied two games together where they looked good, and then they threw out an egg against Colorado. What are they going to do against Philly? By I would way. just like I would like to see consistent. Like I don't even care if we lose the next two games as long as we look consistent. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If there could be some consistency of kind of similar like this this Ottawa game where we look good and everything else, but we still fall apart at some point. As long as we can see. The offense, we can see the defense, and we can see the collapse. If we can see all three, fine. We can live with it. At least we know the team is showing up to games. 
Well, shockingly and, enough, the Ottawa game is the lowest shot production that the Sabres have done. The next lowest is the Rangers game. Uh, besides those two, they've put over 30 shots on goal. Wow, I actually didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah. looked it up shockingly. But how many of those are high pressure? Exactly. High pressure, high quality, rebounds. Players in front of Montreal, there was rebounds, but nobody was in front. All right, so let's wrap this up. Basically, consistency, consistency, consistency. Let's see some production. Let's see something from these next two games. And let's go into Philly, home and home, where we can can hang our hats on something and we have – I mean, I'll be honest, we're coming off of a win where we put up six goals, and I don't have any confidence in the next two games at all. I don't know. Yeah, with the inconsistency, it's it's completely flip of a coin and what team's going to show up. But I, I feel like if we go into New Jersey and we we lay a little bit of an egg, I feel like some for some random reason we're gonna walk in against the Abs and somehow beat them for just just off with stupid luck too. I feel like that's just like the the luck that the Sabers have. The the especially with this inconsistency, they show up at weird points at weird times for weird scenarios, and I feel like that that even could be a stupid scenario to happen. Levi will not be playing tomorrow night. In the Devils game, so it's either going to be Comrie or UPL. It's probably going to be Comrie, but UPL did have what two days off now. I I foresee it being UPL. They'll probably give Comrie to UPL to rotate those two back to backs. I'm okay with if that works. I'm okay with that because then we're looking at splitting that home and home between UPL and Comrie, just the way it would lay out, which I'm yeah. fine with. And then, and then, uh, yeah, we have Wednesday Flyers, Friday Flyers for the home and home, and then Saturday we play Toronto. So that that Friday, that second Flyers game is a back to back. So all of this, all of this, not banking on Levi coming back too. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, even if Levi comes back, I would like to see him. Maybe not. I don't know if I'd want to. If if he if he plays and plays hot, okay, let him run like four or five, maybe six games, but maybe no, not a, not even. Yeah, like I said, stick. if he if he's four running hot, yeah, if he's plus. running hot, I I think four, maybe not even four. Give him maybe three. I think ideal kind of, is three on one off. Yeah, I, I know the the Reddit Twitter world of Saberland is was not happy with the Sabers rolling him for four games straight. Yeah, we did it down I, the stretch last year. I didn't expect anything yeah. different. So, but I think it's also because the end result was an injury, and him being this young. I mean, granted, it was a minor injury, and it's slightly still nagging him. Yeah, and at this point, I'd rather him sit a few extra days. I'd rather him sit a few extra days this early in the season, come back healthy, clear, like clear, healthy, and hope hope that he can get hot like he was last year and just dominate. And I'm gonna butcher the quote. But Ryan, I'm going to say my favorite hockey movie is Miracle. And I know you said in the first pod it's a feel-good movie, and God damn it, it, it's a feel-good movie for me. But Herb Brooks says the one line where he's got him doing suicides, and he says and basically for them to play at a level that makes them want to keep them there. And Show if, me you want to stay. Show me you want to stay. Exactly. And if yep. Comrie and UPL – 
clearly they're feeling the pressure of Levi. I mean, they're probably happy for the kid, but they're also pissed off. It's their job. Because, they they, yeah. they still need to provide and for their family and they, make money. They know by the end by the end of the season, probably one of those two are going to be gone. Oh, one hundred percent. And so, but if if they're pushing each other and they're this pissed off, and if it makes them both play better, I'm okay with it. I'll run them both two and two, two and two, two and two. I I don't care. And then sprinkle Levi in for a little bit, and you know, let him get his confidence back. But don't fuck, don't and it goes back to what I was saying. Don't kill the kid, and you know, don't kill his his confidence. And so, but if if it takes for all, I mean, I hate the idea of running three goalies, but if it makes all three of them compete for that job and play better, I'm all for it. Going back to Miracle, do you know how many games Janizak played going into the? Going into the tournament and throughout the tournament, the Olympics. I don't think not a any. damn one. They ran Jim Craig into the ground. They won. They ran Jim Craig into the ground, and they ran him because he ran hot. And yeah. you know what? I think that's what we need to see from one of these goalies. Get yeah. hot. Let us run you. Because yep. to be fair, I think the only reason that anybody is upset that we ran Levi the way we did was because he didn't get hot. Yeah, he was playing very mediocre. Granted, like as those games went on, he slowly was looking a little bit better in, in each of the games, but he never looked a hundred percent. He didn't look like he was the guy. And if we were going in was clearly not there. If we were going yeah. into game five and he got hurt and he was putting up a nine thirty save percentage, and we're talking like a sub two goals against average, we're looking at a team that's not bottom of the pack in the Atlantic division. And we're looking at a team that, you know, the fans are sitting there saying, well, you know, he was hot. It's not like we ran him into the ground for no reason. I think that's the only reason anybody is upset is because he didn't look hot. And I, I just need, again, consistency. consistency. Yep. Goaltending, defense, offense, offensive zone, transition game, high event hockey. Please do something consistently. Anything. Because that's not what I'm seeing right now. Look back to even like what I was saying with with Florida. They were so inconsistent, and look what happened in the playoffs last year. The 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 out of the bottom barrel team, the team that was the furthest out in like the standings, like the overall league standings, they were like 18th in the league, and they squeak in it with with the 91 points, 92 points, whatever it was, and they go up against the juggernaut Boston Bruins with the most wins ever in the NHL, and they pull it out. It, yeah, because it's the hockey. Bruins ran themselves on the ground over the course of the season, but that's not. Yeah, it's not. But the point that from game to game, anything can happen. Yep. All you need is one good game. And I, I, we've seen it, Ryan. When we were up in Toronto and we were coming back, we stopped at the Hooters and we watched that, that Boston-Florida uh, game. Uh, Omar comes out to make a weird play and completely botches it. And Florida scores to make it a, a three. I think it was a 3-1 series or 3-2. And I said it right there. That Just on that goal alone, I'm like, Florida's winning this. They, were, they still had two more games to win, two, three games to win. Florida was winning it after just that goal. The way that whole scenario happened and the way things kind of just were building up, that's all it takes. One goal, one scenario, one thing, and that that's all you need for a complete shift in, in the entire locker room. The entire environment can change on just that's a – I'm sorry. I completely zoned out after you said Hooters, and it just made me giggle because that is <laughs> – that, that was the that worst Hooters – 
that Ever. restaurant was a a <laughs> sad excuse to the word Hooter, like to the brand Hooters. It just, uh, oh anyways. Anyways. Terrible. anyways, closing note. Consistency. <laughs> consistency, 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 consistency. So before we called episode two, looking, looking, looking. Now this was probably going to be consistency, consistency, consistency. Yep. Alrighty. Until next time. Adios. Don't forget to catch us on Apple and Spotify. Spotify. Uh, and uh, give us a follow on the Better Buffalo Facebook page. Thank you. Comment. Comment. Uh, suggestions, results, anything you want. Give it to us. Yep. More the merrier. And subscribe because most of you aren't subscribed. Subscribe. Subscribe. Let's go, Buffalo.